This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Zephyr CMS. It's a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. You can find them at zephyrcms.com. More about this later in the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Martin Lindstrom. He's the founder and chairman of Lindstrom Company, the world's leading brand and culture transformation group operating across five continents and more than 30 countries. He's also the author of a new book we're going to talk about today called The Ministry of Common Sense, How to Eliminate Bureaucratic Red Tape, Bad Excuses, and Corporate BS. So Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to hear your voice again. So since the subtitle has a bunch of stuff that people think of as negative, what led you to writing this book? I'll tell you what led me to write it. Uh, Many years ago, Charlie Bell, which was the former, former, former CEO of McDonald's, reached out to me and he said, hey, Martin, I would love if you could reinvent the Happy Meal. (laughs) And I said, sure, bring it on. Uh, I just have one one condition. Can we make it healthy, please? And Charlie, he was a really good man. So he said, absolutely. So my vision was to make six-year-old eat broccoli. And we began with storytelling. So we had the forest, we had the bushes in the forest with broccoli and the uh, cucumber with the murder weapon and the tomatoes with the blood. And kids loved it and parents loved it. And even the franchisee loved it as we rolled out these pilots. So I went to the headquarter of of McDonald's in Chicago, and they said, interesting. <laughs> now, I, I never heard that word before in that context. So I went back to Europe and said, yeah, that thing is interesting. Nothing happened for two years. Nothing. It was silent for two years. So finally, the new Happy Meal arrived, and it was, ta-da, drum rolls. It was a Happy Meal, as we know it today, yeah, yeah. with the sugar bun and the French fries, now included an apple. <laughs> and that was where I learned that if you want to do transformations of organizations, if you want to um, understand your consumer, a company have what I call an immune system. So as a consequence of that, we actually employed two psychologists to work with me in order to understand the dynamics in the corporate world, because a good idea is no longer enough. A great consumer insight is not enough. You need more and you need to understand that immune system, that defense mechanism for change. And that actually led me to writing this book because I realized very quickly that 80% of your work is to operate a lack of common sense and bring it back and then to transform companies towards the better good. I'm sure anyone who's worked in <clears throat> particularly a corporate environment, you know, has, has experienced, I, I think they've become a little bit immune to it because it's just the way it works, but has certainly experienced that. Can you give a couple examples of, of what, what is just really common rampant corporate BS? <laughs> yeah, how long time do you have? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'll just let's just start from, from the end. COVID-19, I'm jumping on a plane the other day, right? As I sit in my seat, ready for takeoff, the friendly sounding voice on the speaker is saying, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on board on this flight. I regret to inform you that all cabin service has been completely suspended on the entire flight. 
I also need to inform you that the laboratories in front of the plane has been blocked. They are only now reserved for cabin personnel only. And by the way, if you want to use the laboratories, you can use the one laboratory in the back. Now, that was because of COVID-19. I don't need to tell you. But then I just need to ask you, there was 37 aisles or rows in this in this plane. So I literally had to pass by every single one, all 179 passengers, and end up in a long line where I could breathe in a freshly brewed smell of toilet mixed up <laughs> with COVID-19. And then I was, I was sitting in the seat. The second idea they came up with was these contact tracing forms. Now, in the old days, you had to fill out all sorts of other stupid forms, which no one looks at anyway. Uh, So this was the latest and greatest in that innovation pipeline. And here, the first question was, listen to this, John, it's crazy. The first question was, have you been in close proximity with any people you don't know within the last 12 hours? (laughs) The only thing you had to do was basically just to turn your head 90 degrees, and there would be a stranger sitting there. So you could tick yes to that box. Yeah, the yeah. second box was even worse. You see, people don't have pens anymore because they all sit with their small devices. So a bright young talent was borrowing the pen from the stewardess in the very front row. And that pen was now walking through the entire plane. And the second question was, have you taught anything anyone <laughs> have taught over the last 12 hours? And I had to tick yes to that one as well. This is the Minister of Common Sense in reverse gear. I call it, I don't call it not common sense. I call it nonsense, really, because okay. he's the reality. We've completely lost sense of what makes sense. And for me, common sense is seeing things as they are, okay, and doing things as they ought to be done. I said in another way, and this is super important, it is to treat customers and employees as they themselves would expect to be treated. And I do think as companies grow, they lose that sense of reality. They're more busy dealing with themselves than actually thinking about what the customers or the consumers want. So I have to tell you, one my I work with a lot of small business owners, but I, I early in my career took project work pretty much from anybody. And so I, I got this uh, project with a very large corporation and it was a very small project. It was a couple thousand dollars. Sent my invoice off and I got a check 90 days later, of course, that was for $215,000 and change. I, I don't know how that translates to francs, but that was about 100 times what I had billed them. And so I called them up. You know, I, I mean, I thought about cashing the check momentarily, but I called them up <laughs> and, and, uh, and said, you know, there's been a big, a big mistake here. You know, how do we rectify this? Well, after getting transferred to three different people, I actually then was sent four different forms that I had to fill out in order to return this money to them. And I, I, I tell that story all the time because it was it was a watershed moment when I said, you know what, I'm just going to start working with small business owners. We, we won't have to deal with this anymore. But it, uh, it is, You are so right. And, and it really, it happens everywhere. But I think here's my view about this. Frankly speaking, we are living in a period now which is unprecedented. And... I don't think there's anything anymore called going back to work. I call it going forward to work. And by that, I mean, we are in a situation right now where we actually can afford to reset what we once did rather than desperately replicating an old format 
and squeeze it into a new way of living. Yeah. I mean, think about it. We're all sitting in front of Zoom and Teams eight hours a day. Where did those toilet breaks go? That's not a single part. I don't know what no one on any of the calls I've been sitting on, and believe me, just like you, I've been sitting on a lot of those calls. Right. Not a single person has ever said, Hey guys, I, can we just have a five minute break here? Can I, I just need to go to the toilet? Just a hole in for me. No, no, no. What people do is they put their pause picture on, they sneak out to the toilet, they come back after seven minutes and pretend like they were not. No, away. And then they asked the question, which was asked seven minutes ago, so we can go back in a circle. And even worse, we then continue for exactly one hour, no matter how mundane or irrelevant the conversation is, because we actually did solve that problem 35 minutes into the conversation. But the reality is we don't want to look like we're skulking or cheating in any way, shape or form. So we just decide to hang on and clinch on. And then the ultimate break up here is I have to jump on another team guys, sorry, right? And that's sort of the ultimate red card. Uh, so, I mean, where is common sense going here? Because uh, my problem here is we're adopting a world of trivialities from the past onto a new format of living. And I think right now it's time for us to set a line in the, stand, in the sand and basically say, hey, let's redefine my daily lives. Let's break it down, see where I'm doing things which are ridiculous, look at things which just doesn't make sense, and then build it up from scratch. This is the moment to do it, right? And that's the reason why I published this book now, because quite frankly, I haven't done it myself. I'm sitting doing it right now and realizing how much time I'm wasting on nonsense. You know, today content is everything. So our websites are really content management systems, but they've got to work like one. Check out Zephyr. It is a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. It's really easy to use. It's very fast. It uh, won't mess with your SEO. I mean, it really reduces the time and effort to, to launch uh, your client's websites. Beautiful themes, just really fast profitable way to go. They include an agency services to really kind of make a, them your plug and play dev shop. Check out Zephyr.com. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R-C-M-S.com. I suspect there are a great many people who ha were forced into a work from home situation that realized that they are actually more productive in four hours than they had been in eight hours at the office <laughs> because of some of the things that you, know, you talk about, the red tape, the meetings, the you know, the water cooler, you know, nonsense. And, and, and just the fact that people feel like I have to stretch my work to eight hours because, because I'm supposed to be here. But John, and listen, this is really interesting what you're saying. I think you're absolutely right. I think there's multiple studies now showing that the productivity levels are up. But I'll tell you one thing, creativity levels are going down in a free fall. And I explain why. Productivity today is defined by how many Zoom calls you're attending, how much right. PowerPoint decks you can send on. In fact, I know today multiple companies which are measuring the movements on the little mouse you have. Sure. If it stands still for seven minutes, I'm not kidding you. If it stands still for seven minutes, there will be a red alarm clock going off at a control panel. And if it's 40 minutes, that person is considered not going to work. So I've, I know of people which have installed a counter software, an app, which can overwrite the first seven minutes. So they actually have 40 minutes now to run down and buy whatever in the kiosk. So the entire day is now broken into 14 minutes intervals, right? So 
what I'm saying here is, on one hand, we are, in theory, incredible productive. But one thing I learned and, and discovered some years ago when I got rid of my phone, because I don't have a phone anymore, because I did feel that I was losing my sense of creativity. I, I felt that there was no pause. There was no silence. There was no... No boredom anymore, and I believe boredom is the space you need for creativity. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed with this stuff here is that you have no time whatsoever to reflect, to connect the dots in a new way, to jump up in a helicopter, to prepare for the next meeting rather than doing it while you are sitting in another Zoom meeting, preparing for the next Zoom meeting, pretending like you're present. So I would say, yes, productivity in theory has gone up creativity in reality is dying. There's, I saw yesterday, I think it was, I don't know if you're familiar with the site Product Hunt, which which a lot of people release their apps on and things. There's a, a an app that you can actually install that fakes a bad connection so that you can say, oh, I, I'm breaking up. I can't uh, stay on the Zoom call anymore. <laughs> so the, the fact that people are creating those types of things tells you something, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it it tells everything, and yeah. so I guess my my opinion about all this stuff is that that right now we live. It's almost like we had a shift on this track we've been living on. We have a really good excuse to move on. So so one of the things I've sort of said is, let's try to look at our businesses in a different way. And and when I wrote uh, the Ministry of Common Sense. I realized that there is a very strong correlation between common sense and empathy, mm. which really, you know, at first it doesn't really make sense, right? But it actually is, is super important to, to be aware of. I define empathy in a different way. Empathy is the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing from within their frame of reference. And as I say, that is the capacity to place oneself in another's position. And what's fascinating is that we are really bad at it today. I mean, yeah. because we live in those bubbles, social media self-enforcing bubbles, where we only see the world from my point of view. And by the way, I'm always right. And then we have a few people who are wrong. But I don't want to watch that stuff because it's not really energizing for me. Because we are looking at headlines in the press, which are very short, Twitter, 280 characters, mm-hmm. but no instant. We have this instant craving. We do not have the skill set to run empathy anymore because I actually don't care about others anymore. And remember, empathy is common sense. And common sense is collapsing in companies. And now it's collapsing in our private lives as well. That's where I'm scared because I do feel if we do not recover that muscle, because this is a muscle you have to train, then we're onto something much deeper and much more frightening, which is no interest in anyone whatsoever. And when that happens, it's not fun to go to work. It's not fun to live anymore. I wonder if there is a tie to I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on generations here. If there is a tie to that older school hierarchical, you know, top down organization. That that actually I think crushes empathy because you know it's very much like here's the politics of of the hierarchy. I on the other side of that, I work with a lot of young startup entrepreneurs, and I see I see them full of empathy. I see them wanting to have a much more collaborative structure rather than the hierarchical structure. So I wonder I wonder if there's hope that some common sense might come from a younger generation. 
Well, yes, there's partly hope, except that I have to tell you that multiple studies now are showing the the opposite. So if you take University of Michigan, which have done a 30-year-long study, so over 30 years they analyzed degrees of empathy among teens, they saw or they witnessed a 48% drop in empathy. So it is going down, but I do think you're right in the sense of that empathy is not just one thing, it's multiple things. I do think the collaboration, because you have, you, you're born and raised with that tool, sure. accept it and buy into it. But doesn't mean that I will accept other points of view in other contexts. I do think, actually, that a lot of young people uh, don't want to participate in a corporate environment anymore. I don't think they thrive by it. And I do think that the whole concept of sitting behind a screen, remote working, is not a very appealing for them. We know from multiple studies now that they have identity problems watching and looking at screens all the time. So here's a prediction. My prediction right now is that I think young people at some stage will ask themselves, should I really work for someone? I mean, the culture I loved at Company X is kind of not there anymore because how do you build a culture for a screen? Uh, I'm not necessarily guaranteed a job because five people were just fired. Why don't I have three employers instead? I mean, why don't I become freelance? Meaning, why don't I build my own brand? And I do actually sure. think that the younger generation increasingly will treat themselves as personal brands and really will have multiple employers, not one yeah. as you and I were born and raised with. So. That is a that is the positive side of the em- empathy topic for the young people. I do, however, think there's another side which we see in other aspects of life, and you're going to laugh when I tell you this, but and it's crazy what I tell you now. But what we've seen from multiple published studies, so I'm not making this up in any ways here, Fran, is that when experiments has been done with mothers and the newborn babies, and they were asked not to move their face at all, just a stone face, babies would throw a tangent within 30 seconds. And studies are now showing that if you use Botox a lot, your micro-movements are disappearing in your face and empathy levels are going down dramatically. So what I'm saying here is as we're watching ourselves on that little stamp size screen, right? Well, what does it what does it mean? Well, first of all, it means that the number of plastic surgeries in the U.S. has gone up more than 200% over the last nine months because we see ourselves more, we look at ourselves more, yeah. fine-tune ourselves more. So, yes, I do think in terms of collaboration in workshop formats and other formats similar to that, yes. I do think in terms of who we are and what I stand for, no. Uh, so it's it's a bit schizophrenic, if you get what I mean. So I, I do want to get around to like, what should we do about it then? Of course, we've been we've been picking on on the problem itself. But but let me first take you to task because you pick on duct tape. And I think you don't realize the elegant affection that people have for all things duct tape in other parts of the world. So I'm going to take you to task for that. I'm, I'm watching you on the screen right now and you're smiling, but, but you may not, you may not realize I'm kidding completely, but <laughs> <laughs> I but, do, <laughs> but, but, but I, I could not pass that reference to clear up any, any confusion and misunderstanding about uh, duct tape as being a very positive, elegant uh, tool. Exactly. So let's get to that. I think I'm going to cite your the name of one of your chapters, actually. So what could the answer be? I think the answer uh, is multiple things. Let me tell you a story. 
A couple of years ago, one of the largest pharma companies around, the manufacturer of respiratory disease products, approached me and asked me uh, how we could fix their patient satisfaction degree. Hmm. The first question I asked them was, when did you last spend time with the customer, or rather the patients? Yeah. And the answer was never. <laughs> For 100 years, never. So I said, why? They said, well, compliance won't allow it. So I spoke to compliance. They told me, they never asked us. They never <laughs> asked us. They literally haven't asked us for 100 years. So I managed to drag the executives into homes of patients. And here's what happened. I'll never forget it. I went into a home of a 28-year-old lady. And she had asthma. And I asked her a very direct question. I said to her, listen, tell me about your childhood. And she started to cry. She said, listen, I was teased in school. I had no friends. I was always the person who was never invited to the party because they felt I was in embarrassing embarrassment, they said. So I said, listen, you look very confident today. What, what, what's the reason why? I'll tell you the reason why. And she went into her handbag and she grabbed a straw. And she said, this is the reason why. I said, what do you mean? Well, I always give my friends and colleagues this straw when I meet them for the first time and I ask them to hold themselves for the nose and breathe through this straw for a minute. And then immediately they know how it feels to, to have asthma. It's like, a, like empathy has been transported to, mm. from them to me and me to them. So I stole this idea. I uh, teamed up with the whole board. I had everyone at the board breathe through a straw, I switched off the lights, I had a sound playing in the background of a person with heavy breathing. <laughs> that type of sound. And after 30 seconds, the first executive spit out his straw. He said, this is ridiculous. Why should anyone do this? And I looked at him and I said, this is how your patients feel like every minute of their entire life. And it was like you could hear a penny drop on the floor. You could see how everyone was internalizing the sense of empathy. And as a consequence of that, the company started to hire people differently with empathy. They started to do innovation differently, having the patient in mind. They spoke to the healthcare professionals, knowing how empathy feels like when you have asthma. And it really turned around the company. So long story short, John, what I've learned is you always need to See the world not from inside out, but from outside in. And put yourself in the shoes of your customers, your clients, your patients, whoever that is, and feel what they are feeling. And as you do that, what you will notice is there's multiple friction points. And you should pick one little friction point, just a tiny one. One where you know, one, that that friction point has a profound impact on the perception of your brand. Let me give you an example. If I'm a credit card holder, what is the biggest friction I have? It's when my credit card either doesn't work or when I'm losing it. And, and the second thing you have to do is to find a friction point where you know you can fix it fairly quickly. And the third point is you can do it very cheaply. And number four, and this is important, once you sold it in 90 days, 90 days, you celebrate the hell out of it because that will cement a behavioral change within the organization. And this is where most people are doing the mistake. They think this is a two-year thing. It's not. Pick the low-hanging fruit, go for it. 
that's what changes organizations to become more common sense driven. And you, you take that uh, little incremental step every 90 days and in two years you've, you've made a massive change, right? You have. It, it reminds me a little bit about, you know, I have a theory. So a, a couple of years ago, an experiment was done with chickens. They're put into a cage, stocked in that cage for half a year. And one day they're let out on the beautiful green grass. Guess what happens? The chickens went straight back in again after 90 seconds. And I call that for the chicken cage syndrome. It is the fear of the unknown. And that is the immune system we're talking about. It's a defense mechanism for change. That's the reason why bureaucracy exists. Because what Mm -hmm. we know today is the bigger a company is, the longer it's been around for, the more layers it has, reporting layers it has, the more you will notice that common sense is non-existing. The more you'll see that nonsense is present and reverse the smaller company, uh, the shorter lifespan is had, the more entrepreneurial it is, the more common sense, and the more empathy. Speaking with Martin Lindstrom, the author of The Ministry of Common Sense. Martin, thanks so much for, for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. Do you want to tell people where they can find out more about your work and, of course, acquire a copy of The Ministry of Common Sense? Absolutely. So you can go to martinlindstrom.com and there you can find a pop-up box. And by the way, the book, The Ministry of Common Sense, is out the 19th of January. And if you are smart, run for it because I'm actually giving everyone which clicks on this website address a free access to Masterclass and have amazing content for lots of different talents around the world for one month. So this is the moment to run. So martinlinstock.com or on any of the social channels, that's where I am. Okay, and we'll have the links in the show notes. So again, Martin, great to catch up with you and hopefully we'll run into you when we all get back out there on the road again someday. That would be beautiful, John. Pleasure to be on your show. 